Hey, this is Matt Irwin, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold. This is the final episode of our regular season, boys. I'm your host, Kyle. With me, as always, is my co-host, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. If we seem a little sleepy this morning, especially Matt, it's because we were recording this at 11.30 in the morning, which you think is not too bad because it's almost (laughs) the afternoon. But for Daniel and I, this is a normal time to be up. But for Matt, it's not. He's usually getting out of bed about now. Second shift life for Matt, but... It's okay. He had a couple double shots. Hopefully it'll kick in about halfway through the episode, and then he won't be able to stop talking. So <laughs> He's got his fun hat in. It's going to be a fun episode. That's right. So, if you didn't know, the Stanley Cup was passed out? Yes, it is over. The season is complete. Matt's already giving a frowny face because, well, we have now a gap of several months where we basically have not a lot of sports coverage for us, but we'll have some off-season talk, which we'll get into later in the episode. Shouldn't be too bad of a thing, but I'm really depressed that hockey season's over because as soon as the cup was handed out, Twitter starts going, when is October coming here? Because you don't think about it, especially for us last season when the Preds got to this point, we only had July, August, and then September is when the preseason starts and in October we're back in the boat. So we've had about four months. Now we're about, we had five months to wait. And just that month, 30 more days just makes you feel so much longer. Yeah, it does. Those deep playoff runs, you know, it's it's good for the fans, Probably not the best on the athletes' bodies because they have less time to recuperate in the offseason. But that said, we got spoiled last year, so this offseason seemed a little bit longer, but I did thoroughly enjoy the final two rounds of the playoffs. Especially because, you know, the Penguins weren't there. Yes, we we, we really didn't want to see the three-peat happen, but, you know, Washington overcame that, and they overcame a lot, which we'll talk about in this episode, going to eventually capture the final. Spoiler alert. So Definitely. <laughs> If you haven't heard yet, the Washington Capitals have won the Stanley Cup. And I'm excited. I went home that night, went to the NHL.com team store for the Capitals, and there is so much stuff. Did you buy that special package with the ice-melted puck? No. Okay, good. Though I did see that they were selling a puck and a Stanley Cup container that both were supposed to have, quote, ice from the final. We'll see about that. How, How would you really even know? Yeah, you have I no mean, idea. It could be literally just water frozen, and it's like, this is the actual ice. No, if it's ice from the final, I want some of the color from the blue line, the red line in there, too. Uh, I, I don't even know how you'd really accurately test that. But anyways, we got some sweet league news to preface our Stanley Cup recap. Definitely we do. And guys, first big thing, we knew when Lou Lamarillo came <laughs> into the Islanders, things would happen. I remember listening about two weeks ago on NHL Network, he was interviewed on the uh, Power Play and he was talking with them, and he said, you know what? He said, I will move at my leisure to discover what needs to be done with this organization. And here we are two weeks later, we're all at work, and we get the news that Lou Lamarillo has basically done a coup. He's fired Garth Snow, who the Islanders, Islanders GM for a long time, but the fans absolutely hate him. I mean, mm-hmm. how bad do you have to be hated when the fans take a billboard out that says Snow must go? Yeah, the the, the fans were... <laughs> were very vocal about what they wanted done, and Lou came in there and he cleaned he, he cleaned house, baby. Yeah, did everyone a favor, pretty much. And you got to think it's not just a coincidence that that happened. Oh, you oh. got to look at the situation overall, and and why is it you think Kyle that he went in there and fired Garth Snow? 
might be a guy named JT, yeah. otherwise known as John Tavares. That's right. Yeah, that that had to be a huge factor. I think he had to go in, make a statement, and say, "Hey, I'm serious about trying to clean the house here and trying to get some new, you know, better coaching." in here and available for you to succeed because right now it's the John Tavares show in the Islanders organization right now. Will it be enough to keep them there though? That's my huge question. What do you guys think? That's as, as far as if I'm Lou Lamarillo and you're trying to keep your key player there, your franchise player Tavares and he's unhappy and pretty much all the fans there are unhappy with Garcinot. That's what I want to do is I want to try to show my star player that I'm committed to this cause and whatever it is to try to make him happy or show that we're trying to make some changes in the organization to move things forward in the right direction. So I thought if, if I was him, that, that was the perfect move, and that really took some large steps in proving to Tavares that we're, we're committed to this and keeping you here. I, I thought he basically did all he could to say, hey, we're committed to doing this. Now it'll really be up to Tavares to, one – see who he gets as a replacement, because that will matter greatly. And on top of it, you got to think, with a new coach coming in, how many years is it going to take to be actually successful and also pull up all of your rookie talent and all the, the put all the pieces together, essentially? Is Tavares ready or willing to stay for several years? It'll probably be three years before they might be able to compete. Or... Is he wanting to go somewhere where he could win now? Well, yeah, the kind of the question is, is it too little too late? You know, has he already burnt the bridge there? Is it, it's already too far gone? Well, you know, time's going to tell on that one. I honestly think a lot of people say, oh, he's staying now. Oh, he's staying now. I don't think it's that simple. I, I really don't. you got to consider, one, the teams that will have the cap space or the available, you know, to place a decent offer for him. There will be several. I know earlier – the Predators, the Sharks, and Vegas were all three of the top landing spots, and they still are. But really, I, I think if I'm a player and I'm looking at the situation I'm in, I could go to any one of those other teams and be competing in the playoffs and potentially a cup every year for the next several years. Why would I want to sit in the Islanders for the next three to four years while they rebuild? I'll put it like this. I'm going to waste away the best years of my career in a failing organization. And it's so sad to see the organization have such a, I guess, fall from grace because you think back in the 80s, they were just so dominant. It was like after they hit their pinnacle in the 80s, they've just slowly went downhill ever since. Well, there's there's a lot of Canadian teams that will uh, will, uh, back that further stat up later in the episode uh, as far as Stanley Cups are concerned, but I I don't know. I, I just don't think... I really do not think he stays. If it, if it were me, I'm out. Yeah, I would leave too. Sure, the GM change of Snow being gone and Doug Waite being gone as head coach is great. But like I said, he's looking for stability. And you got to think about the franchise has trouble right now even get a stadium. Like they're playing in a basketball stadium. They say it's the worst thing possible because if you're sitting over the overhang, you can't even see the, can't even see the goal. Yeah. You see the opposing side's goal, but you can't even see yours. I've heard that, and I don't think anybody really questions the loyalty of John Tavares. You know, he through the years he's shown, yeah, he's he's willing to stay and commit to this organization. But after a while, you kind of have to think about doing what's best for me overall and, and fitting. Look at the long term spectrum of things. If you want to be a cup contender before you're too old to play, he's still gonna get paid too. Yeah, like uh, that's the thing that he's still gonna get paid. 
really good salary. It's not like, oh, I'm going to make an extra mil or two more. But what's more important to you? Kind of like you're saying, why would you stay when you can compete right now? Yeah, even if even if I left, I think if as far as loyalty to the organization, they are in a much better spot right now with Snow being gone. And even if they lose Tavares, you still got a bunch of now that frees up more cap space to do more things. You got fresh ideas coming to the organization. So I would not fault him at all if you wanted to leave, go to an organization that has a much greater chance at making the playoffs. And I don't think anybody could blame him. Speaking about fresh changes, let's take a look at Chicago Blackhawks real quick. So they are looking at possibly getting John Tavares as well, too. Will it happen? Probably not. Because like you said, Sharks, <laughs> Vegas, Preds were the three main people that they've been talked about earlier. But I think what they need more help was the fact they had a sucky season for their goalie. Corey Crawford did not play any past the second half of the season. Yeah, wasn't it since December? Yep, December. That's insane. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. I know he was battling some of those issues with the repetitive concussion disorder if i remember correctly which was technically like vertigo, vertigo symptoms much, yeah. so so a concussion so that's pretty rough to deal with if you're a goaltender so i know they have goaltender problems and on top of it i just don't see them trying or have enough cap space available unless they make some crazy moves in the off season to be able to present Tavares a decent enough offer and also are they stable right now too Mm, they didn't really look like it last year. I don't so. think they're that stable. I know we're talking about goalies, and they're trying to possibly get uh, Corey, not Corey Crawford, but uh, Scott Darling back from Carolina. Uh, of course. I, I don't know. Like, why? Basically, uh, they weren't real happy with how Anton Forsberg played this year. Well, he's a backup. So, <laughs> I mean, your, your number one goes down, so you have to expect there's going to be some drop in play from your backup, who hasn't had a lot of reps anyways. And then on top of it, you had already shipped off Darling. So what are you going to pay to get Darling back? I think that's a lose-lose situation for, for management-wise. Well, they're talking about if they get Darling back, they're going to also possibly try to get Justin Justin Falk. <laughs> I, I feel what do you like, do? I feel like they're all over the place the last two seasons. I feel like they're like, you know what? Let's get rid of all these players. First of all, they got rid of Breadman, and he went over to Columbus and kicked butt. Yeah. So they're already regretting that trade. I, I, you're doing too much. You you had a good group, and then you split them up to get the band back together for that, you know, the older Stanley Cup run team, and it didn't work. The experiment failed, and your goalie went out. I think next year, I don't count them out because it is the Blackhawks, but at the same time, I do not think they're going to be very competitive next year as well. Well, you got to look their window, as you mentioned. Their players are getting older. Their window for cup potential, as you say, is, is, is diminishing, and after a while, you kind of have to start realizing that your team might need to switch gears and start trying to transition to maybe looking to getting some younger players in, in the group and, and start real building, rebuilding to a younger model and this sort of thing because their old stars are getting older. So at some point, they do really have to be realistic and their expectations of moving forward and, and start rebuilding for that kind of idea moving forward. Do you see them going after uh, Carter Hutton? I think he, they possibly could since he's that's interesting. since he's becoming a UFA. He's a free agent starting in July and to be quite honest, came in for Jake Allen and kicked butt this year. Did very well for the Blues. I honestly thought when he was here at the Predators, he was a very solid backup and that given the chance and the opportunity in the reps, he could make a good starting goaltender. I never understood the Blues one pulling Jake Allen out, starting Hutton for a bit. And Hutton was pretty decently hot. And then he yeah. had one or two bad games. Boom, put Jake Allen back in, and nothing happened. 
nothing happened. You lose like the last several games going out of the end of the season. You drop completely off the face of the map. Then you sell at the at the trade deadline. You get rid of Stashney. I, I mean, are you kidding me? That was crazy. I, I didn't understand that at all. I thought they were going to retool to try to make the playoff push. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They sold. So, I don't know. That would be interesting to see how the Blues kind of structure their goalie situation. Because do you go with a guy who did not do well this year but in the past has done well? Or do you go with the guy who might be up and coming? I'd go with the guy who'd be up and coming. But you could trade him and get some decent pieces back. So Yeah, but you've got no guarantee those pieces are going to play out. And there's no guarantee that Jake Allen's going to play out well. So, a lot of... There's, there's a lot of Central Division news, if you haven't noticed, going around. Because it seems like... I feel like the Central is usually one of the most active you know, divisions. But this offseason is going to be very interesting for the Central because there's going to be some major moves done in between teams possibly as well. Well, we know one team that's not going to be doing a lot is the Preds. Pretty much stack for next season. The only thing we got to worry about is Ryan Ellis. Yes, I know it, uh, TSN Canada actually reported the other day that they have been in contact with Ryan Ellis's agent and it seems like a deal is more than likely going to get done at the beginning of the, uh, the free agency, which is July the 1st. So it seems like Around that mark, you can be expecting to hear some sort of report. I feel a 6 by 6 contract coming. Probably pretty fair. I think we had all talked about that, too, even in our uh, our cap space episode. We all thought that he would probably land around 6. It'll be interesting to see if he tries to get, or if Poyle tries to get at, you know, home field discount. Like, are you going to give us the hometown discount? Maybe get 500000 taken off of it. I highly doubt it, though. I... Looking at the other defensemen on our cap, PK is making nine million, so you got to pay Ellis probably around six. But if you do it long term, like we're saying, six million over that period of time, not too bad if he continues to perform. I know Matt doesn't like the long term contracts, but Ryan Ellis has proven to be. He's getting better as a player. His production's gotten better. Actually, last season he only played half the season, still scored about thirty four points. Uh, pretty good. Honestly, I think that's probably where he needs to be, six million a year, and then we'll go from there. At that point, though, not a ton of cap space because you're still going to have to sign Soros and Hartman. So the Tavares deal is looking very bleak right now for Nashville. The only way I could see that happening is if we do make a major move by selling a Taurus or getting rid of a Taurus for Tavares. But thankfully, the cap space goes up next season. So yes, and that'll play a big factor to what we can actually present them. So hopefully it should go up to uh, 80 mil. It, yeah. it really needs to be around 80 mil for us to even have a chance. But it'll be interesting to see when they finally make that announcement and all the moves that have already been made previously to that. And the last thing we will talk about real quick is that Bodog has come out with their way too early betting scenarios <laughs> for yes. the teams. Yeah, Way too early. So who do you think they have at number one right now, boys? Tampa Bay Lightning. Exactly. They're at 9-1 to odds to win the Cup going into next season. You know what's crazy is when I was looking at this list, it's so close between the first several teams that it's negligibly no difference at all. That's because it's so early. Yeah. The, the rosters aren't even set yet and preseason hasn't started. Yeah. It's so funny because you're like, wow, we just got the Cup awarded. Now everybody's taking money in Vegas basically for Who's going in next season? Oh yeah, nine to one for Tampa, Boston ten to one, Maple Leafs ten to one, Vegas ten to one, which is hilarious because they went from like 
500. 501 to 10 to 1 in one season. Winnipeg 10 to 1, Nashville 11 to 1, Penguins 11 to 1, and the Washington Capitals 14 to 1. So that's where the breaking point kind of occurs where the uh the Capitals drop down just a little bit from the, the rest of the pack. So crazy. Get crazy. your money in, Matt. That's right. We'll go ahead and lock my money in early so I can pay off big time. Okay, who's your pick then? Oh, I don't even have a pick. Oh, no. come on. Oh, no, no. You did the Oilers last year. Yeah, they're 18 to 1 they're right 18 now. They're 18 to 1 right now. They're You know, I think I think I learned my lesson last time. <laughs> you know, they made it to, you know, pretty deep in the playoffs last uh what was that 2 years ago now, but they did not repeat that this year and I don't expect that to turn around in one year's time to go back to where they were so I I can't as much as I like the Oilers I can't pick them uh, this time I don't think not yet give me some preseason let me see a little bit of roster moves maybe we'll talk then I don't know well okay gonna be a bum about it let's get into the final boys Stanley Cup champions Washington Capitals (laughs) boom suck it Matt (laughs) and the fanboy Kyle has been activated I was so happy to see them win was so happy. We're all over here at Daniels to watch Game 5. We thought we was going to get a Game 6 because Vegas did put up a good fight. Did actually take the lead at one point. Capitals come back from a goal deficit, tie it, and then Lars Eller, who becomes... <laughs> he scores the first postseason game winner and the last postseason game winner. So nice little bookend for him. Yeah. And he became the first Dane to win the Cup. Nice. I'm excited about it. We've got some stats. we got some conversations, but first things first. What did you think of the final this year? You know, I honestly thought going into it that it might go a little further than five games, but I think this is a testament to <laughs> Washington Capitals for absolutely sticking it to the Vegas Golden Knights. They were physical. Their forecheck was fantastic. And ironically enough, hope he got pretty hot towards the end of the Lightning series, and that kind of trickled over. I thought he did a solid job in goaltending. Ironically enough, better than Flurry, which I would not have anticipated coming into the series. Yeah, Flurry was getting out there several times in his crease, and uh, I know Matt was having a conniption fit on several occasions Yeah, with basically wide-open goals. Uh, overall, it was a fantastic series. I think Game 1, as we talked about it, Game 1 was fantastic. Game five was very reminiscent to game one as far as lead changes. But some of the other games weren't even close. Like, crazy to think that, well, three to one was the the game three, which was a little tighter than the other. But game four, six to two, and Vegas got manhandled. Like, that was the game that Matt decided in the group text, it's over. Like, it it wasn't even a contest anymore because you knew... That's when it solidified. I knew I knew Washington was a better team. By the way, they scored up. six goals on 23 shots that game. <laughs> Every game this series had basically a lot of goals being scored, wide open nets. Both sides, Flurry and Holpe, playing way too aggressive. I know, Matt, you hated that. That's one big sticking point you have with goalies in general. Yeah, they, they really commit to the shooter, and in doing so, they, they go out of their crease and, and, and decrease that angle on that shooter. But if the shooter finds a passing lane, then the backside of his, you know, is wide open, and that was the case very often. So we saw that a few times this postseason. Kind of like you said, Daniel, 
I, I wanted Washington to win. I know I know Kyle, you were all about the Capitals, but you uh, wanted Vegas to oh, win. I'm sorry, Vegas. I wanted Vegas to win. <laughs> I was like, wow, we swapped sides on this. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I'm not surprised you do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because coming into the finals, uh, Vegas was the best team by far, historically incredible. And then once you get to the finals, historically by three rounds, you mean? <laughs> well, as far as the their stats. record, they'd only lost three games. They were coming in. They were best in team defense overall in many categories in slot shots the slot stats against, backed it up all of that flurry was having career uh numbers but once you get to the finals uh the capitals really like you said holtby coming in hot had two shutouts at the end of uh, the lightning series he's only that was his first shutout all year he got hot at the right time it's not necessarily that flurry had a poor performance but the defense wasn't there for vegas and it really wasn't that their that their defense was so terrible it was really credit to uh, Washington that they were exploiting the defense they were opening Vegas up in the slot and uh, they were also Vegas I'm sorry also Washington was blocking shots like crazy shutting down Vegas at the under the, at the under the ice Ovi was taking some oh, seriously yeah. yeah strong I'm surprised hits. he didn't get injured as much it's incredible like I don't want to see that as a Caps fan yeah. I'm like whoa bro you're our best player Washington really laid it all out on the line and and flipped the script because it really it was all Vegas and Washington flipped the freaking script and Vegas lost. They lost more in one round than they lost the entire playoffs. They they nailed it when you needed to. And it, you know, like I said, I wanted Vegas to win. But once we're sitting here and watching the post game ceremony of Ovi lift the cup and stuff, man, that was incredible hockey. It, I just brings me back just to kid, you know, just a fanboy watching and loving this sport. I think one thing I liked a lot was talk about Doc Emmerich was given the uh, like the post game recap. You got Ovechkin, Backstrom, Niskanen. They're all hoisting the cup, skating around. And I can't remember exactly what Doc Emmerich said, but he talked about how this is a moment they've all hoped and dreamed for. And he basically said some along the lines, if you close your eyes, the moment passes too fast. Yeah. And I look over and Matt's wife is bawling her eyes <laughs> yeah. out. It's just like Doc framed it perfectly for the event. He also doesn't over talk anything. So he lets you just kind of like soak in the sounds of the players, which is fantastic. I mean, the pure emotion from Ovi once that, you know, the final seconds expired. Oh, he just grabbed his face stuff. and he was like, you know, that patented Ovi scream. And he just started yeah. running like for people to hug. And you knew he finally did it. He finally got over the hump and won a Stanley Cup. If I was to ask you guys for the roster that played Washington's game five, how many do you think were first round draft picks back in their day? Five, Matt. I have no idea. Got about twelve. It's insane. Oh wow! Insane. So here is the here's the draft rounds for Washington's Game Five roster, and this is from um, Steve Kurnius on Twitter. Ovechkin, first round. Kuznetsov, first round. Backstrom, first round. Yep. Oshie's first round. Yep. Eller's first. Wilson's first. Conley was first. Verona was first. Burkowski was first. Carlson's first, Niskanen's first, and Orpik's first. Wow. Wow, I didn't realize that. Then you've got... They were committed. you got Smith-Pelly, who's second. Orlov is second. Stevenson's third. DeJuice is seventh. Beagle and Kipney were both free agents. And Holpe was a fourth-round pick. Let's just say Smith-Pelly had a fantastic pro season compared oh. to his regular season. <laughs> He's my MVP. <laughs> yeah. He had... All year he had seven goals, and then just in these playoffs, seven goals. 
What a time to shine. <laughs> yeah. We're going to start calling him playoff Smith Kelly. <laughs> right. He's a maniac. <laughs> I'm like, no way. And you know what's crazy is the, the third goal in game five was incredible. He kicked it off of his leg while skating right to left on Flurry. So basically, Flurry dropped because he had to protect like the shot was coming through. Yeah. And you can't like discredit Flurry had the right angle on it, he had the right proper distance out of the net. But, man, if you get someone to knock it down like that with a kick and then swing it around, boom. I mean, that that was incredible. Captain Clutch, baby. Absolutely blew my mind that he was scoring that many goals in the playoffs. And m- good portion in the finals. Let's take that into account. He was getting work done in the finals. He also scored in game three the uh, the third goal with the wrist shot, and that was basically what, what did him in. So, uh, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. He scored in games three, four, and five. Three goals. Almost half of his entire 82-game regular season, he scored three of them in the finals. Games three, four, and five. Man, what a time. Let's talk about the fact that their parents were there to watch this. How do you think it's going to feel that uh, Smith Pelly's parents are there to watch him win that cup? Holby's parents are there. Everybody's family is there in the arena in T-Mobile because they know there's a chance that their team's going to win. Yeah, let me tell you, the the best part about all of this afterwards was T.J. Oshie's interview. I did cry at that. With Jeremy. It was insane. So he was talking about, you know, what, what's this experience like? And, and he was talking about his family. And his father has Alzheimer's. So he instantly went into saying, well, he, d- he doesn't remember a lot these days. But I have a feeling this is going to be a memory that he's going to, re- you know, he's going to recall for a lifetime. And I'm like, yeah. like at that point. Yeah, when he said that, we're all crying. Jeremy Roenick's crying. Yeah, I, I mean, mean... Even the cameraman was probably crying. Like, how can you not get emotional listening f- to that? A few minutes later, he gets to, you know, hoist the cup with his father, who yeah. walked out on the ice with a cane. I mean, come on. That was that was ridiculous. That, that was one of the, the highlight for me. One of incredible. the most special moments I've ever seen. And generally, like I said, for some reason, they're all usually in hockey. I, I, I do generally think that... Hockey has some of the best caliber players and the highest character players in the game because, I mean, that's that's a very special moment. No one's going to forget that. I personally will not ever forget that interview after a Stanley Cup final. It, it was fantastic. Yeah, because one thing about this, it's not just a sport. This is this is life we're talking about. So it's, it's, way, it's great to celebrate a momentous championship together, but – it's celebrating these things in life as a whole, and it's it's about a family. It's it's about a guy, a husband, uh, you know, probably a father. So you're bringing this home and celebrating this as a family, and that's what thing that just makes hockey as big as it is. It's it's more than just a game. It's it's about life here. And you got to think too that you're talking about it's life and a game for teams. I'm glad Alex Ovechkin won the cup because okay, yes, I'm a fanboy of Washington D.C.'s team, but also because you think about how many players that deserve a cup. Never get it. I've got a list here of five players who have not won a cup. A- active players? Yes, active players. Number five, Jason Spezza. Mm. He's been f- 15 seasons, no cup. Hendrick Lundqvist. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that that's, like, rough because he's one of the best all time at goaltender, and more than likely he is not going to win a cup because looking at the Rangers situation, yeah. it's bad. And he's dedicated that organization too. Oh yeah, he's he's sold out now. So it's next one, Roberto Longo. Yeah, 
18 seasons, no cup. 18 seasons. Patrick Marlowe, 20 seasons, no cup. 20 seasons, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And then the big one, Joe Thornton. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the Jumbo big one, Jumbo Joe. It just stabbed, <laughs> stabbed him in the heart. That. 20 Jumbo seasons Joe. in no cup. Oh, that's brutal considering how awesome of a player he is. You got to think about it. Thornton and Marlowe, probably not going to get a cup. Well, If you're going to be realistic there, but 20, 20 seasons in, they are, you would say, some people would say they're past retirement age in the NHL. Well, they might have one more season left <laughs> the the difference is is the organization they play for like lundquist plays for the rangers you know they their cup window they don't have they're not going to the cup all right but you look at toronto they they could realistically maybe make the cup next year you look at the sharks they might could so i like their odds a little better than some of the other people on the I, list. I think thornton would have the, the best chance out of those but once again how long does he have will he shot you know will he sign an extension yeah, because we're already talking about retirement for him. Well, he keeps getting injured every year. So yeah. at this point, he his body's not going to be able to take the wear and tear of a full season. So, yes, he's a good player, but it'll be interesting to see how they decide all that in the end. But that is a crazy list. Uh, I mean, out of those, you know Lundquist isn't going to get one, which is super sad. Luongo is not going to get one. So those are two excellent top-tier goalies as well that will never hoist the cup more than likely. And I've got a couple other stats for the Washington game as well. So, they were the first team since 2009 to clinch all four rounds on the road. Trotch coached 1,637 games where he got got the cup. It's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, a few. Ovi's the first Russian captain to win the cup. Yeah, he is. Like we said earlier, Lars Eller was the first Dane. Philip Grubauer is the first German goalie to win the cup. Nathan Walker is the first Aussie to win the cup. Which, uh, to me, that's a big deal because, you know, you don't hear about Australian sports very much. No. No, that's that's kind of cool for Australia. I'm sure they were all Capitals fans for this series. And here's a really interesting stat I didn't, didn't realize. Jay Beagle is the first player in hockey history to win the ECHL's Kelly Cup, the AHL's Calder Cup, and now the Stanley Cup in the NHL. That's incredible. Nice. So he won all three of the pro-American hockey organization championships. It's ridiculous. <laughs> And Matt, you might like this one. Ah, uh, yes. You probably won't like this, but oh, he lifted that cup, and he lifted some names for the last time. Yes. Who, who's fallen off? Yes, with Ovechkin and the Capitals hoisting the cup this year, that means that I believe they're going to retire the the band of players from between 1953 and 64, which means it's the last time you'll see Gordy Howe's name on the Stanley Cup and Rocket Richard and a couple others. Bobby Hull as well. Oh. But they are going to the Hall of Fame. Right. So you get to enjoy them in a museum yeah. where they're forever, you know, categorized and cataloged. So that's the cool part about the cup that I think is they keep retiring rings and it's like a lifelong legacy. So technically the cup would be absolutely massive. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, there, I was, the stat, there was some little, stat on it where it was like, it'd be some ridiculous length. Like There was a little infographic that showed what it would look like if it had all the... Yeah. So I think that's really cool because it's basically like a legacy cup and it's also the only trophy where you actually get your physical name etched on it, each player. I think about the emotion behind that, too, when you lift that cup up and you realize, you know, you're not only lifting, you know, your name's going to be on this cup now, but you're lifting the names of other great players who have come before you and played. Well, speaking of great company to join, OV also joined Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, and Mario Lemieux as the only four players to have three hearts and a Conn Smythe trophy. 
That is some great company That's to be in. That's the best statistic <laughs> I've heard all year. That's crazy. Those are the best of the best. That's ever. the best players ever. And you put Ovechkin's name in that category. What a boss. Uh, I mean, you, Suck we were Crosby. Talk, we, we, I mean, we were we were talking about it. How more than likely at the end of his career he will be known as the best Russian player of all time. I know Matt's shaking his head, but he still has four or five more years to go. Yeah, we'll see about that. He's already already matching some of the top stats. Yeah. For arguably the best Russian currently. And I would say he's not the best Russian yet, but at the end of his career, he will be, considering everything. Yeah, it's between, I said, when we talked about this the other night, I said that he said, what's well, the best, he's going to be the best Russian of all time. The name that jumped into my head was Fedorov, Sergei Fedorov. And we looked at their stats, and, and uh, Ovechkin's pretty much matched his stats, and he still has a few years yeah, to go. Yeah, that's what I say. He's got four or five more years. Between him and Malkin, I think they're both, those yep. are the top three ever right there. That, that'll be the top three. And then probably Datsuk at four. So I love Russians, baby. The best hockey players, they're so creative with the puck. They do things that silly Americans never dream of. Well, there was one move, uh, I think it was in game five, wasn't it, where Ovechkin like kind of did a spinorama oh, move. It was like where freaking he, Michael Jordan, where he, Yeah, where he used uh, the defender as a screen and still got like a lot of power on it. I mean, granted, it was yeah. off, but he was trying to shoot through it. If, I was like, that's pretty creative. He, 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 uh, he definitely embraces that attitude and, and gets those dirty goals when he can. But yeah, that that was in, that was impressive. But I, I saw that stat and I'm like, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, those are four of the best players of all time. So he just etched his name in in some quite elite company. And I, I will say, Kyle, what a deserved guy to win the cup, man. Seeing Ovechkin lift the cup, that's man, that made this whole year worth it, man. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to see Crosby do it this year. So, I mean, first of all, Even that better. alone, and then seeing Ovi, it just the passion. Also, like, did you see the video of the kid in the stands? He was a Capitals yes. fan. Yeah. On his dad's shoulders, like, you know, with his arm in the air, the really enthusiastic decor. He was just so excited that the Capitals won the Cup. He was crying, him and his dad both. Man, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to forget that. Yeah. To me, it's what makes the sport so great. I mean, it's more exciting than the NBA Finals were this year. Yeah, yeah uh, a sweep in a league that encourages super teams and tons of disparity. So I don't even know why people watch the NBA anymore because it's just kind of like you know one team's going to wreck everybody. And every so many years those good players move and jump ship to another team and it's just like let's build a dynasty and that's what happens. Well, yeah, it seems that uh, from what I hear that wasn't quite as good of a series, but if you want to switch back to what was a good series, games one and two, between the Stanley Cup Finals, Vegas, and Washington. We covered games one and two, but game three is where we need to pick up here. What do you guys think about that game? I thought, honestly, going home, they had to defend these two games because they were able to steal the one in Vegas, which was impressive with our stats from last episode where we were talking about they only lose once a month in Vegas, which, by the way, they lost twice (laughs) back-to-back. So very impressive what Washington did. But Washington I thought is ten and three on the on road, road. postseason. Nuts. That's why that's what we were saying. Home field advantage meant nothing in these playoffs. It was crazy. It was a road advantage. It was road advantage. I mean, if I'm a fan, I'm buying tickets for all the road games and then just staying there two weeks to get it. I mean, it's nuts. Did you hear about uh sidebar for a second, the 
couple in Vegas who were season ticket holders and they wanted to go to the game in Washington to see their Vegas Knights play, but you couldn't get tickets because everything was sold out. So they had to become season ticket holders with Washington in order to gain some kind of priority access to getting tickets to this postseason. So now they're season ticket holders for both Vegas and Washington. That's nuts. That's commitment. That's a lot of money. <laughs> well, you know, they'll probably make their money back because I'll, I'm sure they'll sell the tickets. Yeah. I heard that one of them actually like does a little bit of work in Washington anyway, so it wasn't that big a deal. But wow. I was like, man, that, that's a committed fan right there. Yeah, that's that's sold out and someone who has a lot of money. So Yeah, because yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about you know, just how much our ticket price went up for, yeah. the, for the Preds this season after we did our fabulous cup run last year. Oh, you know Vegas tickets are going to be outrageous next year. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. I mean, we talked about going to Vegas for a game, but I don't think we're going to go now. I don't think yeah. we can afford it. Yeah, it's it's going to be pretty rough. But yeah, that game three was was very solid once again. The usual suspects reared their head finally in in the series, and Ovi got on the board first. Kuznetsov came flying back in, literally flying in. <laughs> After his crane selly. Yes. <laughs> Best selly in sports right there. Um, Matt hates it, but it, I mean, we were we were making fun of him pretty hard that night because he scored and we were all up off the couch doing the same crane dance. But once again, Smith Pelly scores another goal. And this is where he starts his tear. But really this game, uh, less exciting than the others. And on top of it, Hope he would have had a shutout had he not committed the most stupid penalty or the most stupid move I've seen in a while as far as not throwing the puck up the board and trying to center the puck that in front of his net so much. when he's outside of the net, which is like I don't even understand. Yeah, I always say that's a that's a huge thing I have against goalies is they always throw the puck towards the oncoming player and if they happen to pinch it along the boards and they retain possession of the puck and. I don't know what his idea was. I, he tried to do that. He threw it towards the oncoming attacker, except it was towards the middle of the freaking ice, and that was a turnover, and that cost you a shutout. But. So you got to think, if he doesn't do that, that's a shutout. <laughs> yeah, and, and i tell you what, one of the key things that helped not only was Holt be awesome, but we mentioned Ovechkin and some of their players laying their body on the line. Uh, Mike Kelly on Twitter said that the Capitals blocked 42% of Vegas's shots that game. Almost half of their shots, they didn't even get to the net because Vegas, because Washington is laying their bodies on the line to block. And that's how you know you're sold out. Yeah. They wanted it, it, man. They wanted it. They really rallied behind Ovi this year, and I think that was the key. But that game was – it was a – telltale sign of what was to come in the series because they set the precipice really high with the physicality and the block shots and that gets us right into game four which was absolutely all capitals as well yeah oh definitely you're talking about game four kuznetsov four assists in that game (laughs) four assists they had three goals in the first period it was three to zero by the end it was oshi wilson and Smith Pelly again off of <laughs> off of his leg again. He's yeah. getting really man. You need to sign him up for some soccer. And another little stat about Kuznetsov having four assists that game. He is now the first player since Joe Sakic in '96 to have four assists in a finals game. That's incredible. That's insane. They're breaking records all over the place. We'll, we'll get into some MVP voting uh, a little bit later, but Kuznetsov certainly made some capital statements as far as his uh, vote to be number one, and that's one of those stats right there. So, yeah, like I was saying, it's 3-0 at the end of the first. Then on top of it, Carlson scores on a power play goal 
in the second, and it's four to zero at this point. I'm thinking game's over. Neil does whiff completely, which totally changes the game. Because <laughs> that hurts so I, much. I call this one the post-traumatic stress game for the Knights because they hit four posts, but Neil's was like wide yeah. open, and he hits the far it post. Was egregious. Um, I, I think he was just trying to one time it really quick when he really had time to field the puck and do whatever he wanted because he had all the time in the world. You're talking about shots in that game. So guess what the shot count was? If you don't, if you count shots, completely everything, not including blocked. I mean everything. I don't know. It it had to be really high for Vegas. I'm sure it was. They had an advantage in shot attempts, seventy-one to forty-one. Wow. And six to two was the final score. Well, you mentioned how. They just haven't been getting through. Their shots haven't been getting through to the net. Mike Kelly, again, made this statistic. He said in games one and two, Vegas shooting accuracy to get their shots on net was 73%. That's pretty good. 73% completion for shots on goal. But in games three and four, they were diminished to 39. That's almost cut in half as far as their shooting accuracy. So it seems that even when they had the ability to shoot, you'd had a James Neal who can't hit a wide open net, even when they had the chance. So they weren't able to, I hate to use the word, capitalize at a time when they needed to. Yeah. Well, and, Neil did make up for it in the third period. He right. did He did score another goal, which was a really nice goal. But at the same time, he needs both of those in yeah. a game like this to even make it uh, you know, a contest. He scored that one. Smith scored quickly after, and you're like, huh, 4-2. to two. Maybe they can make a run out of it. Wrong. The Capitals responded instantly. They were doing what the Knights did in the other series. That's exactly right. They instantly responded with a Kempney goal on a slap shot, which was just a bomb, I might add. Absolute bomb. I think that was this the one where the power play was expiring? Yes. Because I honestly thought it was Ovi on the back post from his office, but he destroyed this puck and there was no trap. I mean, it, it was done. Then after that, you had another power play goal by Conley to wrap up a 6-2 beatdown with only t- only 23 shots on goal. Marc-Andre Fleury oh, finishes the game. I don't even want to hear this. With a strong and stellar .739 save percentage. Ow. Ouch. Man, <laughs> Capitals. It was, it was lower than that, too. At one point when I checked, it was .713, and then he had a couple saves towards the end of the game. To be honest, I thought they should have pulled him for the third. But Well, that just shows a greater testament to how dangerous the Capitals are offensively. You mentioned their power play. Oh. They were 30% on the power play coming in to the final round, and then in these finals, they even upped it to 33%. On stupid. The- Game four, they had three power play goals. Half their scoring. That's Man, stupid. That's, that's how you need to get it done right there. That's dangerous. That's as dangerous as you ever saw Winnipeg this year or Tampa Bay. That, that is some dangerous offensive power right there. They would gain the zone so quick on a power play. I, it was insane. Oh, yeah. I can't remember which game it was. We were talking about it. The puck came out, and they instantly, boom, boom, yeah. cycled right back in. And I'm like, within they, like five, five seconds. seconds, they were back in the zone. And I'm like, holy smoke. If this is the Predators, we're taking it all the way down to the net. Yeah. We're swooping around. We're waiting for PK to do the drop pass. And then we gain zone entry. And we'll lose 20 seconds out of that. So. Right. Yeah, as far as ma- – I think that's what they do well is they maximize every second of the two minutes they have on the power play. So it gives them more opportunities. And first of all, somebody put a freaking person on Ovi on the back post. Right. It blows my mind. It blo- every, every time. Every We're team. sitting here screaming at the television. Ovi has like 15 feet of space in his office. 
you know, well, how do they not fix that? They say, well, it's not, we, everybody knows that you just can't fix it. Well, by God, I can take a body off of Kuznetsov, leave him open. I don't care. Just cover Ovechkin. Well, guess what? Let's talk about game five. Because do you know what happened in that game as well? There was also a power play goal by Ovechkin on the back post. Granted, the saucer pass. The pass was the a saucer was, pass. Was <laughs> there amazing. was so much sauce on that sucker through all of the middle of the defense, and he one-times it. And at that point, you're kind of wondering, hmm, Capitals might have this because yeah. they are absolutely kicking. The game starts off 0-0 in the first, which is kind of uncommon for this series, but we're, you know, especially after the last game, four, you know, three goals and then another one in the second. But the second period in this game erupted and it started to look much like the first period. So Verona scores the first one on a wrist. Then you get followed by Schmidt on a deflection, which was kind of weird. Then there's that power play goal I was talking about from Backstrom with the the absolute most gorgeous pass, too, which Backstrom, I I, I didn't even really consider this. It's funny because as teams progress in the finals, you kind of tend to focus on that team more, so you learn more about that team. So each year when it's a different team, you kind of gain more of a better understanding. So Backstrom's been with Ovi for a long time, too, so it's interesting to see their their chemistry on the power play and it is oh it's beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> absolute thing of beauty you know Ovechkin looks like gold on the power play you know that he's got that beautiful shot and, and he's got it wide open in the office but really it's usually Backstrom is is the platter that put it puts it on the platter for him and makes it look so pretty he goes a little unsung hero sometimes but. yeah I had to point that out because I, I was starting to notice that through the series yeah. that was a trend developing on that power play was That's why you notice who he let touch the cup after that was Backstrom Backstrom it wasn't Kuznetsov but those were the two but those are the two longest tenured that's, as well that's true so they've been in through it a long time. Yes, I mentioned it the other day. I said that's one of the the best two one and two punch combos you have in the NHL by far. And credit, you know, Backstrom's passing, Ovechkin's shooting. That's just a team that is dynamic and almost is untouched in the NHL as far as team chemistry, but between two players. Yeah, it, it was it was like I said, a thing of beauty to watch <laughs> for any team, for any, just a hockey lover in general you could appreciate some of the moves they were putting on on this power play. Anyways, that makes the Capitals go up 2-1 to one in the second. Uh, the second is still not done because instantly the Knights come back with Perron and then Smith on the power play, which was a gorgeous, gorgeous pass from Tuck. Uh, I mean, he completely sold like he was going to shoot it. Somehow got it in back in between the legs to Smith right in the slot completely open. And at that point, you're thinking, 3-2, Vegas might have a chance. They're at home. But once again... Who comes in to tie the game in the third with about 10 minutes left? That is Smith Pelly, the man who has scored seven goals all year. He scores a goal in game three, four, and five. And this is a game five where he ties in the Stanley Cup final. It's probably one of the best feelings ever, though. You just tie the game and you're like, we are one goal That's away well, from one winning. Goal. That, one goal away. Dude, when he when he put it in, Ovi's reaction on the bench, I can't remember, he oh, jumped yeah, up and yeah. he was just hugging and like shaking somebody because <laughs> he knew he's like, we got it, boys. This like We got one chance now. All you need is one goal and you're a champion. I think watching Ovechkin's face throughout the finals was the best thing ever because you could ride the Capitals wave just by his emotions alone. Yeah. Oh. It was very expressive. It was great to watch. So then a few minutes later, about three to be exact, Puck kind of squirts out oh, behind yes. Flurry, which is 
devastating. Lays an egg, yeah. <laughs> Lays an egg. It was a very strong shot. I will admit that. But he was very high up in the crease, too. Ironically enough, he was outside the blue line. He was so far out that another Eller, attacker was behind yes, him. Yes, Eller was actually behind him. So when he did lay this egg, Eller was able to easily put this in. And that's when you started to see them kind of clamp down the defense. You knew it was going to be crazy because Vegas is good with the man advantage. But they pulled the you know they pulled the goalie. And and here we go. It's the, it's the countdown timer, which is hilarious because at one point, about a minute in, the freaking scoreboard and all of the live you know game clock goes out. You can't tell me there was no way that that Vegas timekeeper was like, you know, what? we're gonna have a little fun. Click. Yeah, there's like no percent chance that was a technical malfunction. Who said online? I'm gonna go to my grave thinking that the Vegas. <laughs> Wasn't that someone online? Yeah, my own Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, I, like, like Twitter had a meltdown when that clock went. Everyone's like, "It is a six on. F- it's a six on five. We don't know how much time. Don't left. know how much time is left. <laughs> that was definitely somebody very, messing with the clock. Very convenient. Right there. I know Matt leaned over and said, "Well, you can't win the game if it goes on forever." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody, Jason Bourne, got up there and clipped a few wires. Yeah, up there, what happened? What I liked was that the camera at one point pans back to the, the Capitals, and like they're up there just going. Yeah, they're they're like freaking out because by the way, they keep icing the puck during this period and Ovi is still on the bench and yeah, he, he can't is get out. he is a wreck. Let me tell you, the the camera is just all on him. Like all the NBC cameras are just pointed at Ovi and like first of all, he's probably never prayed that much of his entire life. He was on the bench praying. He was shaking like at one point his hand was shaking and then he he would stand up like on the icings to kind of like, you know, try to shake it out and and sit back down with his head tucked but then finally he got out on the ice and made a huge block oh man yeah matt just is showing the picture of him pre-game he looks like a russian mob thug yeah who looks is like rocky balboa he is locked in that is that is someone who wants to win the cup <laughs> that was that was a guy who wanted to get back on the ice with about 90 seconds to go and it, it was just dying to get out he there he got but... gold <laughs> chain around his neck he's got the chest hair out i mean he's uh, he like mr t yeah he he you knew pre-game he meant business coming in. But he finally gets out there. He he blocked a shot, too. A, another incredibly yeah, yeah. hard shot. Yeah, I could, face first. They, like, I think it was in the side of his leg. He, he bent down to take it and was able to clear and got off the ice for the final couple of seconds. And the time expires. And the place goes crazy. Well, first of all, let's talk about how many Capitals fans were in the arena yeah. it for this about game. about 30% of the fans were Capital fans. Yeah. That was a it lot of red. It might have been even more because when the trophy was, you know, once the game was over, a lot of the Knights fans had already, you know, they saluted the crowd. All the Knights fans were leaving. Tons and tons of Capitals fans that were sitting in the nosebleeds came down to the bottom bowl, and the bottom bowl was legit filled. I, I couldn't believe it. It was at least three quarters of the way filled on the bottom on the bottom ring they were everywhere and credit to washington's for showing up and you know they paid through the nose to get those tickets for just the chance of them winning and lifting the cup i mean like you said you got to see the dad and the and the son and the crowd like that's that's something you're gonna remember for a lifetime that's why you spend the money to go do that i think it's also one of the coolest things we were talking about during game five as well just knowing the cup is in the building oh just knowing yeah and that goes back to our finals experience, Kyle, where, granted, the cup was there to be presented to the other team, and we actually didn't even have a chance to win the cup that night. 
you knew that if the cup was coming out, it was <laughs> on bad terms for your team. But it was still a special experience to see the cup actually being awarded. I never thought I would actually get to physically watch that, you know, at any point in time soon, even at Bridgestone. But that was a bucket list item, and that was kind of cool. The next one will be for my team to actually win the cup. But kind of a cool experience. Sucked that it was Crosby. But Yeah, they say that cup's actually heavier than it looks. They say it's about 35, 40 pounds. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But, I, I saw once uh, their owner took the cup and hoisted up. Ovechkin was kind of on hand. He was looking like he was going to help his owner because he's, he's an older gentleman. He's about, I don't know, 60 or so. And I was, he was about ready to help him lift up his arms if he was too weak to hold it up. That was fun. Yeah, I'm sure Ovi would have obliged with the yeah, amount of yeah. times he's been wanting to hold it, and he kissed that thing probably the entire night. Oh, he's still kissing that cup. Every photo you see of him, like, taking afterwards, he's always got it in his hands, and he's just kissing it. You know, he's like, I waited a long time for this. And what I love is that the Stanley Cup account on Twitter, when the Capitals won, yeah. all it said was, hey, Ovi, come, come and get, get me. me. <laughs> come and get me, baby. And I'm like, that was very poetic. And he had to go through you got to think, they struggled a little bit in the first season against Columbus. Didn't think they were going to... You mean first round? First yeah. first round, they didn't even start Holtby. Started Grubauer. Grubauer. And then, you ready for this tumultuous season? I was passing season? on them ever since that. Yeah, so just to, just to do a quick recap, they started against Columbus and almost lost. They came back and won all the games straight to win. Very impressive. Yeah. Absolutely impressive. You... you, you Go to the Penguins next. And as a Capitals fan, you have to just be holding your breath because you're like, oh, here we go again. The big bad Penguins are going to come in here and we're going to get another second round exit. No, they finally get past the back. I think that's when everyone realized that the Capitals had a legit shot. They got past the Penguins and all the Capitals fans were starting to believe now because they're like, we finally, we finally made it over the hump. But then you draw against the Lightning who were coming in hot, had a excellent players. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> Stamkos and Kucherov, who quieted down a little bit in the playoffs, but were still a force to be reckoned with. And their power play was very good, much like the Washington Capitals. They go on the brink of elimination, and Holtby comes out with two back-to-back shutouts in games six and seven to get them to the finals. Yeah, And then they manhandled the team that Basically had uh, an easy time getting to the finals. Crazy. Absolutely crazy what they did in the postseason. They they arguably could have been out in the first or the conference final. That, that's what's crazy about the Cup, man. You know, you looked in. They didn't even have their starting goaltender in. And on the opposite spectrum, Vegas is just like Goliath, just crushing everybody. And then the, flip, uh, the script gets flipped in the finals. It's a lot of luck. I mean, you don't think about how much is – You've got superstars, you've got stats galore, but there's also a lot of luck that goes into these types of things. And I feel like Vegas, you know, everyone's like, you know, Vegas shouldn't have made it this far, but I think they had a proper initiation in the NHL. You made it all the way to a Stanley Cup final. You lose. You watch the trophy presented on your home ice to the opposing team. Vegas, welcome to the NHL. You've now experienced the heartbreak that millions of fans have experienced since the NHL's been around. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how Vegas restructures in the offseason with all their cap space and all the players that they're going to have to either sign or ship out because you know Carlson's going to want some money. For a 43-goal regular season, he's going to want some money, but do you pay him up big bucks considering he has one year that does that? 
Bridge deals for everybody. I, I know. I know you're saying and that. They're not going to do bridge deals, but he's not going to want it. I don't care. Give me more than one year that you score more than seven goals, and then we'll talk. We got to think. When he was over in Columbus, he never played the top lines. He was always just lower down on the list. Now he's actually playing the top lines, so I think they'll keep him for next season. Well, I know their their owner said that they got plenty of cap money and they're ready to spend. So the question is, are they going to spend it on their players? Or are they going to try to rework their entire roster? If I'm if I'm the GM, I think I kind of want to keep things where it is because I've had plenty of success where what I am at right now. So I don't really want to change things too much. Much like how uh, the Predators take on on their roster is. Well, they said Flurry wants to end his career in Vegas. He's already came out and said that. I mean, he's getting older, so it would be appropriate probably for him to do that. They're giving him a starting position, and he's done well. So I think he'll ride that out the next couple of years before he retires. He's already been a champion, too, so that kind of helps. Yeah. He doesn't have to. <laughs> ease uh, the pain a little bit. Yeah. Two-time champion and now a runner-up. What's crazy is he goes from a team that wins and then instantly to another team who's in the finals again. Speaking so of James that, Neal. Same on the other foot, you have James Neal, who is a runner-up with the Predators, goes to the Vegas, who we thought was going to be terrible. And then, to be honest, I think if you're James Neal, you're probably like, man, this is almost more disappointing because now I've been on back-to-back runner-ups on two different teams in two years. Yeah, he reminds me of uh, Marion Hosa a few years ago did that. He was a unrestricted free agent, and, and every time he would lose, he would go – the next year to the team that won the cup. He did that like three years in a row before he finally got stuck in uh, Chicago and had some success there. But yeah, it's like Neil's just chasing the cup, man. I don't know. Well, what I do know is that, as I said, start of the show, this is our last episode of the season. It's been a fun run guys. Yeah. It's been a crazy run in the course of a year. We went from nothing to having over 2000 followers on Twitter and are associated with penalty box radio. And it's, it's been incredible. Absolutely I mean, fun. Love talking hockey. I mean, I've told you a year ago that we'd be right here still doing this at that point in time, like you said, Daniel. I always said, you're crazy. Like, my goal was just to get a couple episodes out every so often. And, you know, we, you know, have legit put on a good show every other week. And now we started doing every week for the playoffs. And because we've done so well at that, starting next season, we're doing every week. Uh, I can't wait. I think that's going to allow us to talk a little bit more league news, which we started implementing towards the end of the season. So we have a lot of really really good stuff that we're going to be doing in the off season. Oh yeah. And we've teased about it, but we're actually building the studio. Yes. We're in the process of doing that now. I think actually today we're actually going to look at the tools and the wood required. So we're going to be now that it is officially off season, we're going to be building the custom table for our shock mounted mics. We're going to be implementing a lot of really cool new features come the start of the fall. We're going to also have a store up with merchandise, custom items, from Matt that he is crafting right now mm-hmm. in our off season. With his hand carved wooden knives he makes. Yeah. Well he might be able to throw in those too. For all those who don't know, Matt is also a knife maker. So it's one of his hobbies. But more so than everything else, we are also going to be adding a video component to the podcast come the fall. Uh, this is something we've been working on a lot here recently, and I've actually been reaching out for you know, various media people and video people to figure out how we're going to do it. But we will be Twitch streaming in the fall live, so we will be able to have a live audience tune in and ask questions on our show. It'll be a very interesting component, and we can't wait to share it with you. And I have some other information that I'll give out later on about how you can do that for free as well if you already have an Amazon Prime account. So... 
I'm very excited to be doing that. So we'll have the podcast, we're going to have Twitch, and then we'll more than likely be bumping those out to YouTube afterwards. So we're going to have three ways to consume media on this podcast. Definitely. And we're looking at getting some guests too. I know we had a good response when our friend Taylor came on the show. Uh, we're looking at possibly during the off season, have an episode with Andrew Berkshire. That is going to be incredible. And for those who don't follow Andrew Berkshire on Twitter, go do it because he has some of the best takes yeah. and is extremely knowledgeable, way more so than myself. I, I mean, he, he's incredible. He backs it up with stats, and you'll you'll see that in the episode that we have him on here. I know we're going to probably have him on maybe in a month and a half or so. And uh, I think we talked maybe trying to get Chris Mason towards yeah, the beginning. We're talking about trying to get him. It might be during training camp once he starts ramping back up. I know they're kind of off-season right now. And I think we talked about maybe sprinkling in uh, some prospect episodes and maybe a, a, a draft episode, which I think would be kind of fun. We might have to try to figure out how to do a live draft episode. So That would be fun. And I will say uh, the next Preds events we've got coming up is the uh, development game on the 29th, which we're going to be at. So, you know, we'll tweet out when we're coming. If you're there, say hello. We'll probably have some stickers, which, by the way, thank you guys, everybody who has picked up stickers. I have sent a lot of envelopes out over this season. <laughs> we got a custom stamp made. Yeah, I had to go buy a stamp because I got tired of writing our address down all the time. He's getting hand cramps here, so that's a good problem to have, and we're, we'll be okay with that. And we have to, if we have to order more, we will. So we just appreciate the support that we've gained this year so far. Like I said uh, on Twitter when I sent the stickers out, when you get yours, shout it out to us. We like seeing where they're at. You know, we had somebody today say that they finally got, got the England. Yeah, nice. in England. We, we got them going to Australia, I think. Yeah, Australia, Canada, which, you know, Canada's international, but you don't, you really kind of forget that sometimes because Canada's literally across the border. Yeah. Like I said, Canada, Australia, got one going to France, one going to Belgium. That's awesome. Cool. That I like to see cool. where uh, they put the stickers at. I saw somebody had it on their truck, and usually, you know, laptop as usual, but I like to see the Yeti creative. cooler. Yeah. Uh, I started to see some really cool creative ways how they uh, have been implementing it in their everyday items, so... And yes, and finally, thank you to everybody who actually interacts with us on Twitter, too. You know, part of our um, revamping for the next season also includes, you know, what would you like to see us do? Do you like the three of us talking? Do you want more questions that are directed towards, like, draft picks, like Daniel said, or what's coming up with the prospects? You know, we want to try to fine-tune and custom the show to what makes people want to listen. I think that's what pushed us towards the Twitch option, is we'll be able to have a live audience present. And as we're podcasting, at times we're going to take you know little breaks that won't make the final cut maybe on the podcasting clean episode but we're going to take time out and say hey we got some people here online watching us let's get some comments in let's get some good interaction and more than likely some of that's going to make the final cut oh yeah definitely but you know we we we're human we stumble occasionally so you'll have to bear with us and we'll have to go back and retake to get a nice little clean spot because We'll trip up on words occasionally, but yeah, you don't understand like how much work goes into this. So, like, I know at the beginning of the year, last season, when I came up with the idea with uh, Justin Bradford to do this show on Penalty Box Radio, we started doing it in July. Kid you not, by like August, there was like five other Preds podcasts that popped up. Oh yeah, at the same time, I was like, wow. I saw s several popping up, but they didn't last. <laughs> and it's not, it's no take against anybody who tries it. It's a great day. If you think you can do a podcast, go out and do it. But you have to understand, this takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of commitment. Like, for example, usually when we do these episodes, what you're listening to right now takes me about probably two and a half hours to clean up. Because we're talking like... That's fast. We're talking too. like player intros. We're talking music, cleanup, audio editing. It takes two and a half hours. And that's including the hour and a half or so of us recording beforehand, too. 
So it generally can take about probably four, four and a half to five hours to do one episode. That's only, you know, an hour, hour, 10 in length. Yeah. But, you know, we love it. We love doing it. And, you know, can't wait, you know, for next season. And I would love seeing us doing this, you know, four or five years in a row. Yeah, I think we're ramping up appropriately, but I'm excited for next season and some of our off-season. You know, it, it's going to be nice to have a little break here and retool and come back stronger than ever for next season. And I think we'll put up a couple poll questions on Twitter, too, to see what, what everyone's thinking and what they want to see because I, I would like to implement more stuff that the fans want as well So, to provide better content overall. So before we close down, any final words, Matt? No, I think you said it all. Anything for you, Daniel? Man, I've been talking a lot here, so you might just want to... <laughs> well, that's part of the course, so... <laughs> you might just want to close it out. That I will. So, guys, this is Music City Gold. We're part of the Family Fox Radio Network. You guys have a great off-season, and we will see you on the ice.